Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Welcome in on a Thursday morning. It's game day for the Utah Jazz. They are going to play one of their eight games tonight, play the Pelicans, resume the season. How will that all play out? And I think we're largely up to speed on your uh, reactions now to their pregame kneeling, which were. uh which we're anticipating, many of you are anticipating, and uh, just a ton of reaction. If you want to read it, go to my Twitter page, David DJ James. Go to Facebook, DJ and PK. There is a boatload of reaction, and it is all over the map. All right, we're going to start with the Jazz this morning. George Niang on the big show. Listen in. Let's jump out to the zone phone, of course. Uh, uh, the T-Mobile special guest line, Jazz forward George Niang, uh, joins us from uh, the bubble in Orlando. George, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? And uh, gosh, I made the special guest hotline. I'm I feel honored. Uh, hey, we're we're doing better now that you're on the show, man. You can give us a, a firsthand account. Uh, this is uh, truly historic uh, uh, measures that are being taken, and tomorrow night's going to be a historic night as the NBA restarts in this situation. What's it like to be a part of it? Um, you know, it's actually crazy. Uh, it, it was it was wild uh, at first. You know making an adjustment, you know, to living in a hotel and kind of, you know, being, sub, I don't want to say summoned, but being put in a, a place where, you know, you kind of have a, a ton of restrictions, but now it's kind of the new norm. I, you know, I wake up every day and rather than looking for my cell phone, I'm looking for my thermometer to take my temperature so I can go downstairs and, you know, eat breakfast. Uh, it's just a, a new normal that it took a little while for us to, to get adjusted to, but uh, I think we're all really extremely excited uh, to be playing basketball again, uh, to doing something that we we love. We're all really excited about getting out there and using our platform for what's going on in this country and to play the game that we love. Uh, I want to ask you about that uh, part you just mentioned, but before I do, let me uh, focus in on the basketball side of it, George. Uh, Before the season started, there were a lot of expectations, a lot of uh, sort of high spirits around here that the Jazz could do something maybe extra special this year. And uh, the season proceeded, and it was, was, you know, not bad. Maybe uh, some uh, observers have sort of diminished their expectations a little bit. How does the team feel about that? Do you guys feel like even without Boyan available to you that you can go out and surprise people? Wait, wait you think some people are uh, upset with uh, where we are right now? I mean, we're we're fourth in the West uh, in the best league in the in the or the or the best conference in the league and uh, you know, we're one and a half games out of third place. Um, people that are upset with where we're at, I mean, I, I don't know you know, Rome wasn't built in one day, is what they say. We have, you know, um, our core is obviously back, but adding guys like Mike and Boyan, um, you know, it took a little time in the beginning, and, you know, we got adjusted to that. Um, and I feel like as we were getting right into the swing of things, you know, the season ended. That being said, you know, we're a real close-knit group, and coaches said this in years of the past, the strength of our team is our team. And I think, you know, all of us know that Boyan is not going to be down here and participating in games. Um, But 
we also know that we can count on each other to come to one common goal, and that's to win. And if you talk about expectations, there's no bigger expectations out there than the ones that we have inside of our locker room. Um, you know, we expect to win a championship, and, you know, anything short of that is going to be disappointing. George Nyang with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. George, uh, as starved for basketball as we have been, you could imagine we've paid attention to every second of those first three scrimmages, and it would appear that there is a real concerted effort from you guys to get as many threes up as you can. It's uh, Locke was talking about for six straight quarters, over 50% of the Jazz shots came from uh, from three. That's got to put a smile on your face, right? You've got to like the, the idea to get as many threes up as you can, right? Yeah, I mean, that's the only thing I can do. So if we're emphasizing doing it, then I'm really excited. Um, no, uh, I think Coach is making an emphasis on, you know, us, uh, you know, getting in the lane and, and kicking out and, and finding guys to shoot threes. Uh, I think that's something that we do at a, at a very high level. And, you know, we have guys on our team that really do do it at a at a high level and we're just playing to our strengths and what we do best and I'm I'm really excited to get out there I mean obviously the three scrimmage it was great to just get out there and play and get a feel but you know the the, the you know practice is over and now it's time to get out there and, and do the real thing um as, it was, as I touched on before, shooting threes is, is kind of, you know, what a lot of our guys' strengths are. Um, it doesn't mean that guys aren't going to shoot mid-ranges or drive to the rim, but, you know, we're out there looking to hunt um, threes. So, George, you mentioned earlier uh, the, the important things going on in the world right now. One of them, obviously, uh, social and racial justice. Uh, there's been some speculation about what the Jazz might do uh, before the game, during the national anthem and all that sort of thing. Can you fill us in? Yeah, sure. I mean, what, what, what? I mean, what specifically do you want to know? Um, you know, I think all of us uh, jazz men, you know, stand together. Um, you know, when it comes to uh, social, um, you know, aspects of, of of the things that are going on, and we've been locking arms. Um, you know, since. You know, since I've gotten to the Utah Jazz to symbolize that, you know, that we're in this together and that we stand um, for what's right and we stand for equality. Um, you know, I'm sure people are anxious to see, you know, what's going to happen, you know, during the national anthem. Um, and I think that as a organization, as a, as a group of men in the NBA, men and women in the NBA, you know, we're going to do what we feel is right um, for change. George Niang with us uh, from the Orlando bubble here on 97.5 and, uh, and 1280 The Zone. Give us kind of the vibe of the team, George, uh, how everybody's feeling about uh, getting back to basketball. Is it is it excitement? Is it nervousness over the, the newness of the situation? How is kind of – what's the team vibe like? I think everybody's real excited. You know, we have a real chill, um, you know, way about us, but, we're you know, we're also extremely competitive. Uh and, you know, nothing has, has really changed. Nobody's more happier than Jordan Clarkson on a day-to-day -day basis. I mean, that guy is running around, shooting the ball, smiling, laughing. 
um, you know, everyone's real excited to be back and playing basketball. And I think that's the most in, uh, important thing, you know, from a basketball aspect is that guys are just excited that we have the opportunity to play basketball again. George, what you were talking about earlier about the three-pointers and whatnot, it seems a little different what we've seen in the scrimmage as far as guys t- putting the shots up off the dribble, uh, maybe earlier in the shot clock as opposed to passing the ball here, there, and everywhere before that shot attempt is taken. Is that something you're looking forward to? If you get an open look, can you go ahead and launch it? It depends. If Joe Ingles is open, he'll probably yell at me. <laughs> but if he's not open, then I'll get the okay to shoot it. No, I, I think Coach has instilled a lot of confidence in us, and we know our roles. And if you're open, then he expects you to shoot it. If you're not open, then he expects you to try and make a play for someone else to shoot it or you know, make an extra pass so someone else could pass to someone else to get a shot. But you know, we're all basketball players. I think before you come to the Jazz, you know, they evaluate you as your basketball IQ and do you fit into this system? And I think all the guys here do. And coaches using, you know, our basketball IQ to give us freedoms um, to walk into open shots off the dribble that he feels confident that we can make. Um, you know, right now, if we sometimes we get to a point, you know, during the year when we were playing was we'd turn down good shots and think that we could get a better one and we'd end up getting a worse one. So coach has kind of given us the comments. If you can get off a good shot, you know, at the right time, then shoot it. Uh, I don't want to hold you guys back from thinking like, oh, this is too early in the shot clock. Um, you know, he's given us all that confidence. Well, George, we appreciate a few minutes. Thank you very much for jumping on the show. Good luck tomorrow. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it. There is George Niang. We're going to have much more from the Utah Jazz coming up next. Rudy Gobert, Joe Ingles, Quinn Snyder, all on the way. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. Jazz and the Pelicans today at 430 we're going to get you ready for the game, listening to Rudy Gobert. All right, uh, we're going to go ahead and get started here. We have first question is from Sarah Todd, Deseret News. Hey, Rudy. Um, you guys were uh, obviously at the center of everything when the NBA shut down a few months ago. And tomorrow is another historic moment with the first game. And I'm just wondering, from your perspective, what it's like to kind of reflect on that and see what's coming forward. I think, uh, you know, a lot of things happen for not just us, but the whole, every single person on, you know, on, the, on this planet. I mean, it's, it was a pandemic and, you know, sports got shut down. Uh, a lot of people lost family members, their lives. And, uh, and now, you know, the NBA put something together so we can go back and and play in a safe environment. So I think we are very excited to be back on the court at the, at the highest level. And, uh, you know, it's going to be... I think it's going to be great, you know, to 
to be able to do what we do and uh, you know and keep getting better and hopefully you know uh, have a successful successful end of the season. Okay, next question will be from Eric Woodyard, ESPN. Hey, what's up, Rudy? How you doing, man? How are you? We, we spoke with Mike Conley yesterday, and, and he talked about how it feels like a, a fresh new start for him. You know, from being back, I know you guys have only scrimmaged, but what have you saw in the difference between Mike Conley and knowing this role at this point? I think it's he looks really really comfortable, you know, and it's it's very it's been it's been great, you know, very aggressive, uh, creating offense for us, making the right play, you know, finding his teammates and uh, making the shots that he's able to make that on, I think only him in the world is able to make, and you know we need this uh, this Mike only if you wanna if you wanna play as good as we can, you know, and it's gonna be a, a huge part of what we do. Okay, I think that was uh, all the questions we have for today. So we'll let you go. Thanks, Rudy. Thank you. There's Rudy Gobert meeting with the media. Now here's head coach Quinn Snyder. Is there any symbolism um, in tomorrow's game beyond the game, or is it just just a regular game for you guys? Well, I, I think, you know, it's something that our guys are aware of, that, you know, the last time we took the court um, – that obviously the game was canceled. Uh, I, I think there's been, uh, you know, a strong belief within our team uh, that this is something ultimately difficult as it was over a period of weeks and months that, you know, has become a unifying uh, experience. And certainly the fact that we had some guys test positive, some other guys that, that didn't, but we were quarantined early and, and went through the gamut of things, emotions, and anxiety and, and then ultimately empathy for people that uh, have contracted this virus and the impact it's had on, on millions. All right, next question will be from Sarah Todd, Deseret News. Along those same lines, Quinn, uh, have, have you been able to sort of wrap your head around the magnitude of the situation, you know, you guys being at the center of things when the NBA shut down and then you'll be the first team to play when it starts back up? They're both really historical moments in the league. Yeah, I, I think the, you know, for one thing, the, the NBA has done such a unbelievable job of, you know, organizing everything here. There's so many moving parts. And I think from the outset, you know, especially as the early days and weeks passed, you know, there's a level of comfort that you have in the, the safety and the compliance that everybody here is trying to, you know, to live with, to give us this opportunity to play. So it's, you know, I think it'll be something that, that we'll look back on, not only, you know, our game in Oklahoma City and being in the locker room and, you know, all the things that, that came with that. Um, and then obviously, you know, the opportunity to, you know, to be a part of the first game uh, upon return. So I do think, you know, in, in retrospectively that we'll look back and, and understand that there's a significance there that, you know, who's to say, um, you know, how it's processed. But I, 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 I'm confident that, that guys will feel it in probably in different ways, but um, equally relevant. Okay, next question will be from George Severson, ABC4. 
Sorry, I'm, I'm, this is Dana Green. I'm logged in under George. Um, hey, uh, uh, Coach. Julius, huh, George? Yeah. <laughs> right. I can do a George impression if you want. Okay. But, um, okay. You know, with seeding, the only thing that's at stake here, these next eight games being seeding, and, you know, you guys have clinched a playoff spot. There's no such thing as home court advantage. How are you treating these eight games? Are you treating them like a real push for the playoffs? Or are you still figuring out matchups, lineups, so that you are in uh, peak shape when the playoffs do start? I think, I think all of the above. You know, I think even though um, we're referring to these as seeding games, I think the key word is games. And... You know, particularly for a team like ours that, you know, has lost a, a key player, there's an adjustment period. Um, at some point, that adjustment is you're moving forward. And as much as we, um, you know, will miss Boyan and, and care for him and his health, um, there's a reality right now that this is the group we have. And, you know, I, I think our team is looking forward to playing. Um, really feel like every game we play is an opportunity hopefully to to get better and, and to prepare part of preparing i think for the playoffs um even more than seeding for for a number of examples that you gave um it's just competing and you want to be playing your best basketball when you do go into the playoffs there's jazz head coach quinn snyder now here's joe ingles with the media first one will be from eric walden salt lake tribune Hey, Joe, how are you doing? Good. So uh, we, we saw the list come out the other day of all the, uh, the jersey messages that the various players around the league had chosen. I just made some money because I knew this would be the first question. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, you, chose, you chose Ally for yours. I was just wondering if you could maybe kind of explain how you came upon uh, that particular message, what it means to you, and, and what, if anything, it'll mean to you to have, you know, to see your teammates kind of, maybe carry out some some uh, movement on the court leading up uh, to the first game? Yeah. Um, that obviously, that's that's what I, I chose. Um, I think for, for me and I think my situations are obviously a little unique being from Australia, um, kind of a completely different country. And um, I actually spoke with a bunch of my teammates about what for them um, I guess would um, help show my support um, which which word or which saying um, would um, I guess be an impact for them as well um, so for them to read it and other players um, fans watching whoever's whoever's going to see it I guess um, what would mean something um, and that's what a lot of them said and that was um I had a few written down that I, I, I guess I had an idea of kind of what I wanted to, to do. And um, I think just the meaning of it, the kind of uniting together and, and having the, I guess for them, for, from my point of view, them knowing that I've got their back hundred percent through this, um, whichever, whichever direction it's going, I'm going to have their back and, and not just my team, the NBA, the WNBA, anyone that's, that's in this, obviously there's a, a lot of people fighting for, for things right now. And um, like I said, being in a, I guess it's a bit of a unique situation being a, a white Australian um, and not being from this country, you're, you're kind of learning on the fly. I've learned a lot over the last few weeks that um, some I didn't know at all and some that I had a, a bit of an idea about but um, have kind of been brought up to speed a, a lot more. So, um, 
it's been a, a really uh, educational few weeks for me, I guess, um, spending six years here and um, and really going through this last kind of three or four weeks or whatever it's been. So um, I know it's probably a way too long an answer to go in the Tribune tomorrow, but um, yeah, it's, it's why I guess me and, and my teammates chose what we did. Next is a question from Chris Mannix, Sports Illustrated, who I believe is there with you. Yes, he's right here. <laughs> with, with as much downtime as you have here and get away from friends and family, have you, have you settled any kind of, you know, leisure routine, things you found that you enjoy doing? That kills no, I just figured out that my co coffee machine has an automatic start so I can get it to start and turn on before I wake up, which is amazing because it takes a few minutes to heat up. Um, not, not, not really. Um, I speak to my kids a lot. Um, it's obviously something after the last three months of being there every day and, and getting up and putting it to bed and all of a sudden you're gone it's it's different for them um it's obviously a lot of pressure on my wife who, who's 22 weeks pregnant as well um to try to kind of speak to them and um obviously it's not going to be the same because i'm not there but just try and keep them in a, in a routine if i can and, and help as much as i can um i probably need to get a bit of a better routine i've probably been sitting around a bit too much because you're just not I mean, it's hot as hell out there. <laughs> um, and then the thunderstorms and starts raining. So um, I've got a few things and we've got some stuff with charities and stuff that we do. So I've got a little bit of kind of work going on. Um, I'm always looking to buy real estate, which is probably dangerous here as well. But um, yeah, just kind of little things. And, and I think in, as, a, as a team, it's really cool to be able to hang out as a team, sit with guys at dinner, have coffee, have breakfast in the morning. Um, we're a pretty close team anyway, but after having three months of not seeing him, it was nice to kind of, I'm kind of over him now, but um, yeah, just, just little things, nothing, nothing too crazy. You peruse real estate listings? Is that, is that what you're applying? Uh, Realestate.com, Australia. I, only, yeah, I don't want real estate in America. <laughs> I'm, I'm, when I retire, I'm out of here. So anything in Australia, if anyone knows any good deals in Australia, let me know. We have a question from Tony Jones, the athletic. Of course I do. Of course you do. Um, <laughs> kind of, um, you know, piggy, piggybacking off of Chris's question, what's been, you know, the, the the easiest thing for you in the bubble so far and what's been the most difficult uh, part of the bubble so far for you? Well, I mean, you know what I'm going to say for the most difficult, um, my, my family not being here, uh, not being with the kids, not being um, – when I was home, I, I would drop Miller and pick her up every day from school, which is kind of our little thing that we did. Um, and my wife would take Jacob to, to therapy. Um, so missing all of that stuff is, is the hardest. And Jacob started potty training. Not that you guys care, but he peed at school this morning, um, which is really cool. Um, so just those things. Obviously, for me, when, when we're in Utah, I'm either at the facility or the or Vivint, or I'm at, at home. So um, that, that's that's obviously been the hardest. Um, like I said to, to Chris, too, like a, when you're home for so long, I think it was three months or whatever it was, three and a half months, and you haven't left the house, and then all of a sudden you get kind of ripped away. And obviously, the twins being four years old, they understand a bit a bit now. And um, yeah, so that's that's definitely been the hardest, the, the easiest. Um, I mean, it's probably, it's not really, it's not like what Stephen Adams said. It's like, it's not really, we are in a resort and we're, it's a nice hotel. I think 
I, I probably stirred them up a little bit with the food the first few days, which I still would stand by. It was terrible, but it's got a lot better. Um, you can cater, you can order food from places now. It's, it's a lot different to the first kind of 72 hours here. So um, I guess settling in has been easy in terms of, of that stuff, the food, the, the room, coming to practice, going to practice. Um, the stadium playing in that situation will we'll probably never really get um, kind of super n- normal to play like that, but it is what it is and you've got to, got to kind of adjust. And I think the, the teams that kind of adjust to those things um, the, the quickest and not, not complain, but just kind of adjust and, and deal with it. Uh, I think the teams that will, will be successful here. Sarah Todd, Deseret News. Joe, can you kind of walk me through what maybe uh, you and the team uh, learned over the three scrimmages, things that you gleaned from those that can be helpful? Uh, it's really quiet in the arena with no fans. Um, it's really weird when they put virtual fans up and you're playing against Joe Harris and Joe Harris is also a virtual fan on the screen. Um, um, I think, I mean, obviously Boyan, the whole Boyan thing's been a talking point for everyone. I think we we, we we relied on him. I mean, he averaged, what, 20 a game for 65 games. So he was a big part of our offense and um, just trying to figure out different ways. Um, I said it before and uh, I think... I think he's shown it that the kind of Mike with the ball, what he's been doing has been has been really good, and um, I think we're we're going to continue to to learn. Obviously, in these eight games, you want to win as many as you can, but you also want to be playing the best you can in 16 days' time or whatever it is, 18 days' time. So um, I think we'll keep figuring out little things that that, that work and don't work. Um, I think we, we probably figured some things out. We, we know defensively what we need to do. Um, we look really good when we push the ball we've got bigs obviously that can run we're playing a lot of the time with with four guards um yeah so just kind of little things like that. i think there's anything major that um uh, i think honestly the biggest difference is, is playing in an arena like that it's, it's extremely different to what we've played for our whole careers all of us so um like i said i think the teams that can adjust and, and kind of normalize it as much as possible with the, the team that'll do well and we have time for one more question from Gilherm Tadeau, Cafe Belgrado from Brazil. Damn. Hi, Joe. I'm famous in Brazil, aren't I? Oh, we love you here. <laughs> That's such uh, a lie. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, since there's no real home court advantage for the playoffs, what's your main goal in the seeding games? I think kind of what I was saying, just to, to keep to keep getting better and better. Um, I think when you have the three-month break that we had to get back in that rhythm, and, and obviously it's, it's a long time since a lot of us have played a game, and we, we roll out three games. The first game was a 40-minute fever type of game, and then you get kind of two real, real games. We obviously didn't play kind of full minutes. Um, but we just want to keep getting better and better. Uh, I mean, we're very well aware, and I think a lot of teams will be that we're not going to, we're, we're probably not going to, I mean, we might win every game, but there's a chance we lose too. So win or lose, we want to keep getting better, keep getting better. And by day 16, 17, 18, or whatever it is, when the, the playoffs start, um, obviously we're in a position that 
I'm pretty sure we're in the playoffs regardless. I think even if we went 0-8, which we're not going to do, but um, you just want to keep getting better and be playing good basketball by that playoffs time. It's um, Like I said, it's very it's different. Um, I don't think anyone would say it's um, a similar situation to where they've played before. I've played in FIBA tournaments with um, probably the same or, or a few more fans, but it's, it's a very different arena, the feeling of it and all that. But um, yeah, we just want to keep, keep getting better each game. And like I said, by that eighth game and heading into the playoffs, be, be playing at a level that we, we are ready to compete and, and get as far as we can. Thanks, Joe. Good to see you. You too. All right, there is Joe Ingles. The Jazz are going to be back at it tonight, 4.30, for the Jazz and the Pelicans. You can watch it on AT&T. You can listen to it right here on the Zone Sports Network. When we come back, back inside the bubble again, Tim Reynolds. He writes for Associated Press. He's in the bubble. It's one thing to hear from people connected with the Jazz, but what are people not connected with the Jazz? How do they see them? How do they think this is going to play out in the West? What are their expectations? Tim Reynolds coming up next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's time to bring in Tim Reynolds. He covers the NBA for the Associated Press. He's in the bubble in Orlando, and he joins us on the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint are coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. Tim, good morning. Good morning. Tim, you have the unique chance to be in the bubble, but also to read, hear, and watch what people are saying about the bubble. So what is the most common misconception when you're sitting in your hotel room and the TV's on or you read something on your laptop and you think, man, they're not here, they're not, they don't fully get it? I think um, we're not, I, I probably shouldn't say this, we're not actually in a bubble. I think that's probably the biggest thing. There's not actually a bubble over us. That, that, believe it or not, I did get asked that question, although it was by like a elementary school kid who emailed me and asked how they put a bubble over Disney, and I had to explain to him like what's going on. Um, I don't know if there are a lot of misconceptions. And, and I'll tell you, I, I think the league has been pretty, pretty transparent about it. I think there was... If there is a misconception, there was a lot of grumbling, I think, when players got here and, and when probably some of us got here, too, about how restrictive it is. It's really not that restrictive, guys. I mean, there's, there's places that we places we can't go, um, sort of invisible boundaries that we can't cross just because of how we're credentialed and where we're supposed to go and, and all that. But it, it, it's basically been... I mean, it's 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 just a big ba- it's a really big basketball camp is what it is. I don't know if there is a misconception. The food, I'll be honest, the food kind of stunk when we got here the first couple of days. Once you get out of quarantine, everything just gets better. The air is better. The food tastes better. Your mood is better. Um, I, I hope there aren't a lot of misconceptions because I think the league's been pretty pretty open about what's going on. And I think we're trying to be 
I think we're trying to shed as much light as to what our experiences are are as well. So you say there's places you can't go. Is it, and, and is it like you know I've been in many places where you're credentialed and you can't go over to this part of the arena because you don't have the credential and they look and see if you have the certification that allows you to get on the field, whether it's a football. Is it that type of situation? No, it, it's in the arenas. The arenas are so small that we can. I haven't found a place in the arenas yet that we can't go except, like, the locker rooms, um, which, you know, at, at, in normal times, if we remember what the normal times were, we'd get at least some locker room access, and we don't get that here. Um, what I mean is, like, on the campus. Like, so, so we're in most of the media that's here, and a lot of the referees are in the same place. They're, they're, we're in a resort, one of the resorts here on, on Disney's campus. But, like, the the team hotels. Like, for example, last night I was walking out of heat practice with Myers Leonard. And we got to – I wasn't even paying attention. We were just walking down this long corridor in a convention center that was leading both to the heat hotel and to my part of the, my hotel. Um, and a guard sort of appeared as if from out of nowhere and said, sir, you can't come through here. And I realized I was entering the team hotel area. And we're not allowed in the team hotel. So it's, it's things like that. There, there's some restaurants that the players and coaches have access to that we don't have access to. And I think part of that is they just don't want reporters in there infringing on, you know, private time for, for players and coaches. Let's let them relax, too, without everything being tweeted or everything being on, you know, everything getting a picture taken of them. Um, so it, it's more things like that. Otherwise... You know, you know, being in the bubble, we get to go to we, – we, we see some of practice. We get to go to shoot around. We get to see a lot of things as if it were normal. And in a couple of cases, the access is actually a little bit better than normal. So that there's definitely a give and take to the whole thing, but I haven't found it to be, you know, that restrictive in, in any way. So when you're around the Clippers, is there anything that's normal? I mean, they, they should be one of the title contenders. They've got the star player. They've got the record. They've got five guys missing. That seems like an enormous red flag. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, it was a very costly order of chicken wings for Lou Will. I think we've all figured that out by now. Um, he's going to lose some money for those two games that he's going to miss as well. Um What's normal about the Clippers is they have Kawhi Leonard and they have Doc Rivers. And and Doc has handled Doc has one of those personalities that is perfect for in here because, you know, behind the scenes, you know, he's he's still a fiery guy and you know but, you know, in, in the eye of the storm when he's when he's doing when he's doing interviews, even during games, he just has that demeanor. Like nothing's going to bother me. And and I think his Celtics teams did this. I, I I know his Clippers teams are doing it now. They're taking their cues from Doc. Like Doc's still having fun. Doc's still trying to keep the mood as light as possible, even though they've been they've had enough guys to go five on five in practice most days. I mean, it's been difficult for them, but they understand too. It's not about Thursday. It's not about opening night for them. It's about August seventeenth. It's about Game One of the playoffs. Yes, you want to have the best seed you possibly can get, and their seed may take a hit because of all the guys they're missing. But as long as they're all here, healthy, and ready to go for game one of round one, that's what really matters. What happens against the Lakers on Thursday, it's interesting, but it's not that important to the Clippers. They see the big picture. 
And, you know, when we get to that point, as you say, I think the NBA is probably one of the more predictable leagues. And when you're faced with a playoff series of seven games, more often than not, I don't know what the percentage is, it's probably pretty high, the better team wins. And so we've had this interruption of several months here. When we get to that point, do you expect anything different that the team that we expect to win is probably going to win? And and then we get to the finals and see what happens. I, you know what, if there was going to be a year where that theory gets debunked, it's this one. And, and I truly don't know. I, I, if anybody, anybody who says the Lakers are this far ahead of everybody and the Bucks are this far ahead of everybody in the East, you don't know that anymore. You might have known that in March, and, and I think there were some teams in the West that were closing the gap, maybe not in the standings, but there were some teams in the West that were really starting to play well when, when we shut down. Um, I, I, I don't. I, I expect. I expect surprises in these playoffs. I, I absolutely do. I mean, part of it is we don't really know how guys are going to hold up after not playing for four and a half months. There's, you know, the fact that this is going to be an enormous mental challenge. I mean, you know, it's fun now. Well, you've only been here a couple of weeks. When you're away from your family for six weeks, for eight weeks, for ten weeks. How are you going to handle that mentally? How will you keep, you know, your own mind right? How will you keep your body right? Who's going? I mean, is the virus going to happen here? Are people? Are more people going to get sick? Are stars going to go down? How is that going to affect things? There are so many elements of unpredictability here that if there was ever a year that we saw like a five seed and a seven seed get to a finals, this would be it. And I don't think anything would be that that's surprising. I mean, obviously, the favorites are the favorites, and they're that way for a reason. But would anybody be surprised if at the end of the day we get surprised by something? Probably not. Tim Reynolds joining us, covers the NBA for the Associated Press. He is in Orlando in the bubble, figuratively, not literally. So I'm curious, is there that much trepidation about testing positive there, or has that become pretty routine? Because it seems like both the NBA and the MLS bubble, it's just a series of press releases. They tested X number of people, and everybody was negative. Have they kept you guys, if if everybody in there is negative, and if they're keeping you pretty much separate from the staff, it seems like the odds are pretty good. And I think on the outside, people are assuming, well, this is going to work. Well, the odds are good, and I think people are making that assumption. But we, you know, I think anyway, and I, I, I stress here, this is just my opinion, and I, I am not an award-winning epidemiologist. I just want to say that for the record. Um, you know, we don't really know yet all we need to know about this thing. We don't know what this virus does. We don't really know as much about it as we need to. So... You know, I I can tell you this, that yes, we've only been here a short time, but the vigilance in here is still high. Like, you see people in masks. I went out for, you know, for my morning walk this morning. Most of the people that were even walking or jogging were in masks. Like, I don't think anyone in here, even though we're all tested daily, if you're here, you're obviously not testing positive. Um, While that's comforting... I do think the vigilance in here has remained high. I think there's a fear factor. You don't want to be the one. You don't want to be the one who makes a mistake. Um, I, I just—it's become second nature, guys. I just everything. I, I wipe down with Clorox wipes 
constantly, and they have them all over the place here. There are baskets of Clorox wipes available here. There's hand sanitizer literally available here. It's become second nature. It, it really has. So I think the bubble is working, but I think the second that we say, well, it's worked, let's, let's relax, that's when you're inviting trouble to, to come into the mix. So with you say because they've had this big layoff and it's unlike anything that we've experienced that you don't know, whereas before maybe you did as far as who would win a particular series. With that in mind, the Jazz have a huge replacement in trying to figure out how to come up with uh, production with Bogdanovich out. But you put them in the mix as far as, well, we don't know. Maybe they can. Oh, I, I absolutely do. Um, I mean, I make no secret about it. I... I think Quinn Snyder, I don't, I, I don't even know if I'd say he's one of. I think he is the underrated coach in the NBA. And, and maybe that's market. Maybe it's I, – I don't get it. But, like, every year – you look at the Jazz every year, and they're a team that starts the year with, okay, if everything goes right, maybe. And then they kind of start slow, and then they get so much better because the Jazz guys are one of the few teams that practice. They really practice. And not a lot of teams in the league do that after a certain point. Quinn's a teacher. Quinn makes teams better. Yes, not, you know, if the Jazz were fully healthy, would they have a better chance? Of course. You still have an elite guard, an elite big. I love Joe Ingles. I love Joe Ingles. I just, when that guy's on, he is so much fun to watch. He's a total X factor. I anybody who thinks that the Jazz are first round and out of here automatically because they lost a guy, I don't know if I'd make that bet. I I I really like them and I like Quinn. And Quinn, listen, Quinn in the seven game series is going to create matchups for anybody who's coached on the other side. I don't care who it is. So are there matchups that are better or worse for the Jazz? Because I think Jazz fans believe there are, and they're hanging on your every word right now. Well, we can't have them doing that. Um, (laughs) You know, I guess we'll know more probably in the next few days. First off, I will say this. I think the elephant in the room, the storyline that they are still getting asked about, can Donovan and Rudy coexist? I think it's comical. I honestly do. I think it's silly. They're not best friends. We knew that before March 11th. Guess what? It was working then. You watch them interact here, it's working now. When you have a center that's that good and a guard that's that good, you can be a matchup problem for anybody. I I think I've asked Adam Silver if there's a rule that the Jazz and the Rockets have to play every every playoff series. It seems as though that's become a rule in recent years. I I don't know if – I don't think that's a bad matchup for Houston or for Utah. I really don't. I don't think it's a bad matchup for them. Like, you know, Russell Westbrook had had the virus. We don't know what Russ is going to be. And Houston's going to be under such enormous pressure. Is this going to finally be the year that they do it? Is this going to be the year they break through? What's going to happen with D'Antoni in the future? The Jazz don't have a lot of pressure on them. The Jazz can come in and play their style of basketball. They can play a very loose a very fun style. I don't, I mean, other than the Lakers, Clippers, the teams that are on paper, the two most talented teams in the West, 
I, I don't think anybody would be automatically a matchup nightmare for Utah because, again, when you have an elite rim protector and a guy who can score on anybody in this league in Donovan, you take your chances. I, I, I Again, other than I would say they're not favored against the Lakers, I would say they're not favored against the Clippers, and you could argue that they can easily beat any other team here in a seven-game series. So, Tim, I've always thought that Denver was overlooked. I know she didn't say Denver. What are your feelings about the Nuggets? I like them. I just I don't love them. I just and 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 you know what? I, I'm sure they're going to prove me wrong because they are they are really good. And Michael Malone, I don't think he's as underrated as Quinn, but I think he's another coach like Quinn, um, like Eric Spolstra in, in Miami. He's one of those coaches that does not get enough credit, and he's brilliant. He absolutely is. I just, they just seem to me, I, I forgive the really high-tech analysis here, they just seem like they're missing something to me, and I don't know what it is. I really don't. I wish I knew what it was. They've got a great center, and, you know, Jokic, he's changed his body. Yes, he's coming off the virus. We all know that, but he's in really good shape. Um he can play all five positions. He can defend probably three of them really well. They're a team that you definitely – I'm guilty of overlooking them. I, I am. But in, in a seven-game series, as everything stands now, the way people are right now, I, I would take Utah over Denver. I, I would. I, I think – I. I again, I, I, an Elite 1 and Elite 5 to me is better than just an Elite 5. That's that's the way I look at Utah, and that's why I give them, and I call Donovan a one. But it's I give I give Utah the edge over a lot of teams just because that duo is a lot better than people realize, and it's a lot better than a lot of other duos that are here. Well, Tim, a lot of Jazz fans, what you liked what you said about the Jazz and the Rockets, they may not believe it, but they like that you said it. <laughs> I can't fault them for not believing. Yeah. I can't fault them for that either. But yeah. I, I just, I, I, you should not, if they're still here in September, don't be surprised. That's all I'll say. Tim, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Take care, everybody. There's Tim Reynolds, writes for the Associated Press, talking a little NBA, talking all things bubble. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, the headlines, what is trending on the way?